Thank you for joining us for Under the Water Tower, a ministry of Fellowship Baptist located under the city water tower on Mormon Mill Road in beautiful Marble Falls, Texas. We don't just love the Bible. We love talking about the Bible and talking about how the Bible informs our life in this world. Recording here in the Grace Classroom, the oldest classroom in our church building, is uh, who? Who's with me? Daryl Fishbeck. Mr. Graham. Joni Wallach. Jo- and I'm Jamie Greening. Um, glad that you're here with us. As we, we lied to you last time, we said we'd be back next week. We took a week off. We didn't record last week. I don't remember what the reasoning was. I do. I had my granddaughter here, remember? I do remember, yes. Your granddaughter was visiting. Was and I didn't vis- want y'all to do this without me, so thank you for waiting. <laughs> well, we wouldn't dream of doing it without you. Did you have a good time with your granddaughter? We did. We had fun. Yeah. We shopped, and we ate junk food. And that girl can put away the chocolate. She ate chocolate. We go downtown, and we go to one of the little shops. They ser- serve chocolate. And so there's these truffles. Well, she picks out the truffles she wants. I pick me out a few. We pick Greg out a couple that are non-chocolate. And they're supposed to last. A, we spent like 20-something bucks on truffles. <laughs> so we get home, and like with that evening, she had eaten all hers. And like, did she eat Greg's too? Well, she didn't like his because they weren't chocolate. <laughs> but she, I was like, girl. And then she picked out a bag of can of those Lindorfs or whatever, which are truffles. She ate those off and on all week long. She had a bag of gummy worms. She drank hot chocolate every Teenage night. Teenage metabolism. And I was, yes. When Misty is talking about someone's snack game being serious, <laughs> that's, that's uh, a no. pretty big deal. Yeah. She was like, come on, Mimi, you want more? I'm like, I can't. Yeah, I've <laughs> never met anybody up. that I could not keep up. She had me. But yeah, we had a good time. Missy's going to have to yeah. train before yeah. she comes. that child comes again. I'll have like, to know early when their spring break is, so I'll be prepared. But yeah, we had fun. She's fun. She's at a fun age, 14, so she's at a fun age. So chocolate, um, your favorite thing. It yes. is, actually. You know what I miss is English toffee. Oh, Heath Bars. The Heath Bar. I love mm. that stuff, that kind of chocolatey mm-hmm. thing going on. That's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And can't have it. Can't have mm. it anymore. We had a woman uh, who we good friends of us who'd make that for us every year at Christmas time, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. the great big treat. Nope. Couldn't have any more. Do you, do you miss the chocolate, or do you miss, like, the personal, like, here's your special, like... Well, coffee. now he gets special pies and things that don't have chocolate in them, so he's yeah. still special. True. Uh, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the, I, I don't... Extra special. Eat. There are times I crave the chocolate, but not much anymore. Um, I've worked right. Black licorice takes the place of chocolate. Black licorice takes the place of nothing. Black Rotar. licorice is delicious. What? Rot- <laughs> I think Rotar is better. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather eat Rotar. No, Easter's coming up, and Kim will make this delicious jelly bean cake, which is great. But what oh, she'll do sounds... is she'll... Oh, it's wonderful, because they, it's just a cake with yellow icing. Lemon icing. And the jelly beans are stuck on the outside like a UFO. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. She does it all in black? No, she takes the blacks out. Mm-hmm. The black oh, licorice and out. Those. And those are in a little bowl just for Aww. me. So you don't get excited about the cake. You get it's excited about the process that <laughs> produces the, the black. No, the cake is pretty good, too, with oh, like okay. some bluebell French vanilla. Mm. That's delicious. Just, the jelly beans, I can't do that. Just, just, um, I like peeps. So, you know, there's not a lot of people that like peeps. See, Daryl's making a face. You're a murderer. <laughs> 
people I don't who, care. People who eat beans just like just like insane. Hey. Stuffing these little it's chickens okay. in their head. That's all right. They're they don't delicious. have to be chickens. They could be the rabbits or yeah, the happy Yeah, they make different things. The and now there's so many different flavors. There's like bubble gum, strawberry, summer well, dipped in chocolate. I thought they all tasted chocolate. like cardboard or something. Daryl. No, they are no. delicious. Maybe and if you roast them on a, a fire, like a roasted chicken pea. Oh, roasted yeah. pea. <laughs> they are good. They are so good because that, that yeah. sugar kind of melts. Just don't do one in your fireplace. Follow us during for more snow apocalypse Because it did not turn did out Did you do well. that? I did. And, you and it tasted experience. just like that, you know, wood, Rope like tar. dirt. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. I ate it, but it was not great. So it tasted you, like black licorice. <laughs> so so Daryl's against black licorice and peeps. What are you I'm, for? I, you know, honestly, I don't know that I've had a peep in a while. If you, if you freeze them, they're even better. So I guess if Game I'm changer. being fair, yeah. I would need to try them again just mentally. I'll bring it you doesn't some. sound... I'll bring you some. We sound it like reminds me of those orange peanut things, Halloween candies. Those are good, too. Those, oh, I like those. those I think I'm just good. scarred from Those goobers, childhood. those big giant... Yeah. Circus peanuts. Circus I'm not peanuts. the biggest candy person. I can do uh, Jolly Ranchers and things like That's that. That's not really candy, though. Well... So I do like chocolate. So. Do you, True. Do you like the um, the traffic cones they sell at Christmas? I mean, at uh, Halloween. Oh, candy and, corns? Yeah, those candy corns, traffic cones. No. Ooh. Those are horrible. Oh that, I mean, that's like eating earwax. No. I'm enjoying a chocolate strawberry scone right now, and it's losing its flavor just talking about some <laughs> of these things. <laughs> <laughs> Misty's gonna be like, "Are you gonna finish that?" Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't wait. Toss it over there. Okay. <laughs> well, we have an exciting scripture for you today in our next um, uh, iteration of what we're calling Weird Moses Stories. I think this is number five. We have three more behind this one. Three more of these ones. These ones behind this one. <laughs> um, and uh, I think Daryl's going to read our scripture for us. Is that correct? That is correct. I kinda, can where, I, can where I is say it? Miriam? I kind of want to say Miriam. Where is it? Is it is in Numbers 12, the whole chapter. Miriam? Numbers 12, mm. verses 1 through you 16. Can, you can say Miriam if you want to. You can say Miriam. Miriam. <laughs> Miriam. All right, here we go. Chapter 12, 1 through 16. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman. Woman, sorry, not plural, singular woman. Who he had to, married. If it's, if it's plural, it's way different. <laughs> that makes it an yeah, extremely no, weird movie. Sure. Talk about a game changer. Uh, if Greg's driving, that he hears woman and not women. <laughs> so let me try again. Miriam and Arian spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman mm-hmm. whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. Sounds like a uh, <laughs> Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> Maybe somebody else should read the scripture. I'm just, I don't know. Because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. <laughs> Verse 2. I will not eat green eggs and ham. I, I will not eat them. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we understand this. All right. Oh. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very now the man Moses was very meek more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, "Come out you three to the tent of meeting." And the three of them came out, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam and they both came forward. And he said, "Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision." I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. 
He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, do not punish us, because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, O God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran, or Paran, or whatever we decided that's called. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, I loved it. I mean, I have loved all of our different podcast topics. I don't know what you call it, but I've, this one... Um, Earth-shattering <laughs> Bible studies. Yeah, yeah. and um, Take that, Beth Moore. You don't <laughs> and Miriam is one that she just kind of gets, I don't want to say lost in, in the scriptures, but until you come up on her and read about her, you do kind of forget about her. But then this story kind of r- reminded me of, you know, just a lot of different things. And just like the very first verse, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. So, you know, here she is. She's a leader, and yet here she is, like, starting trouble. <laughs> do, do you think she's leading Aaron? I think there's significance to her name being first. I think she is. I think she is the instigator, instigator. But she's the big sister, too. Wait, wait, the instigator, instigator? Instigator Is, is there instigator. instigator and secondary instigator? <laughs> yes, Aaron's secondary. Aaron... Like he already proved to us, he's a he's a. I'll just listen to what everyone else is saying. You say make a cow. <laughs> we like the voice. Did you do that again? Do it again. Do it again. Do it, Doctor Seuss way. Johnny, that was amazing. <laughs> you say make a cow. Look, like, like you're selling a car. Like you a, want a Buick? I got a Buick. You want like a Toyota? A I got a Toyota. <laughs> you go. I gotta watch. You gotta watch. Yeah, I gotta watch. I gotta you watch. say we don't like Cushite. We don't like Cushite. Like that's just what it is. Like he's just a follower. <laughs> like he's in a leadership mm-hmm. position as a follower. Well, okay. and the first thing that jumps out at me too is is how how much God defends Moses. And just two podcasts ago, when we're flinging foreskins, you know, we're talking about is God about to kill Moses or the child or what's going on here? There was a lot of anger and stuff, and and you had the golden calf and all these things are going on, and and God is basically standing in front of Moses and saying, Moses is my boy. And I just, I don't know, that jumped out at me as... as, um, Yeah, because Moses doesn't say anything, but boy, God does. Yeah, and it just was... I I find Moses, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Moses is probably trying to let all this sink in. Like, is this 
they're my family, you know, and my people. They're not supposed to be turning against me. Is this really happening? And then God's like, boom. So. Well, yeah. I asked the question, is how aware of is Moses of what Miriam and Aaron are doing? Because I've read some things that refer to what they do as kind of a, a whisper campaign, which if you're in ministry, you, <clears throat> this happens to you all the I'm, time. Mm-hmm. I'm having flashbacks over here. I'm being triggered. <laughs> Not here, but just... You want to talk? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Do you need know. to lay down over there on the chairs? I might. <laughs> but the, well, it's, the phrase people are saying is often used yeah. for a Miriam Aaron type situation where one person has talked to another person and they just kind of nodded their head and Mm -hmm. agreed. And so person one then goes to whoever else and says, well, you know, people are saying, yeah. And that's just kind of what it, what it feels like is happening here. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated by the Miriam starting it. This if I agree with you both that her name is first for a reason and that she's the big sister. Mm -hmm. She's the oldest. Mm -hmm. In the group. Well, she's trying to get people on her side. You know, like Daryl said, if you've got this idea stirring up, but you don't want to be the only one stirring up the pot, what are you going to do? You're going to drag, you know, lure other people in here with you. So that helps us on the back end, because one of the big problems people have with this text is it says Miriam and Aaron Mm -hmm. speak against Moses, but only Miriam gets this punishment. In fact, if I had to... If I was going to complain like these people complain, it would be Aaron never seems to get punished. He seems to be <laughs> the, the guy that gets a buy on everything, mm-hmm. right? He, if I had been running things, he'd have got, you know, murked he'd with everyone about, else. And Guilty gold, by gold flakes as well. Gold, yeah. he, he'd have drank gold flakes, and then, you know, he'd have been disemboweled. I mean, he, he, he deserved whatever punishment anyone else got. Uh, from uh, that perspective, but he gets off mm-hmm. basically. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you want a cow? Make a, you want you want you know whatever <laughs> whatever voice <laughs> you want a cow. No, I can't do it. Never I, mind. I, I can't do it like Joni did it. That was... I can do Kermit, but that's about it. <laughs> it might have been similar to Kermit. I think. <laughs> I think. It, I think so right he gets there. a buy there. He gets a buy here. Every time he messes up, he's like, uh, which leads me to think maybe Joni's impersonation isn't too off that. Though Aaron is Moses' mouthpiece and he's in the place of leadership, he really is not the kind of person you remember or right. would ever hold accountable yeah. because he's, he's not so, the leader. He's so um, unconvinced of anything. Mm-hmm. He has no real convictions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And God's dealing with Miriam, which reminds me in a backwards way of Adam and Eve. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. when they sin, God comes and doesn't talk to Adam. God mm-hmm. comes and talks to Eve. Her. Yeah. Like, you should have known better. I don't expect anything from Adam. Right. But you, you should have known better. Right. Uh, that's the way in which the, it comes down. But then it was neat to see, well, interesting to see how quickly Aaron came to Miriam's rescue. You know, he's kind of with her here, but then as soon as, you know, the Lord, you know, uh, makes her have leprosy or covers her in water or whatever, then he's, like, pleading for her. Please not, like, you know, I was on that side, but now I'm on this side. You know what I mean? He's kind of quick to... Well, let's talk about that for a moment because you get the aspect here with Aaron. So Miriam gets punished by having the leprosy. Mm-hmm. Aaron's punishment seems to be he doesn't talk to the Lord directly. Mm-hmm. He has to go through Moses, mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is almost the opposite of what they were complaining, what they were saying to begin with. Right? Aren't we? Yeah. Right? Aren't we, we? just as like Moses? Don't mm-hmm. we talk to God too? Yeah. But here, when the chips fall down, 
he goes to Moses and says, right. Moses, would you yeah. do something? Can you talk to God mm-hmm. about this? Because this is bad. Yeah. It's interesting. Because they had been chosen too. You know, God called them out to do important things too. And God had t- spoken through both of them mm-hmm. to the people. And so they were coming to Moses accusing him of, you know, being prideful or whatever. And they're the ones that are prideful because, you know, they are jealous, jealousy. And um, you do see the jealousy is running deep here. Yeah. I mean, I know that doesn't happen in families today. Yeah. Siblings, <laughs> but, like you can see it's running pretty deep, mm-hmm. deep here. And, you know, you could just hear her like, I, I saved you. I put you in that basket and I got mama to nurse you. And look, this is yeah. the things I get. This you is, you yeah. marry this woman. And what is up with this woman? Yeah. Are you, like, re- are you ready? To, are you ready for that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because that's huge. That, 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 that is what makes this yeah. weird Moses story. Mm-hmm. Who is it, Joni? It's a Cushite woman. Which, oh. did, did she come with them from Egypt? Like, was she, like, traveling? Like, ooh, look, they're going somewhere. Let's go, too. Maybe he ordered her, like, a male order bride from Cushite. Or just pushed, mm. picked her up on the way, like. <laughs> hey, look, Cushite she's cute. At 10 o'clock. Let's go. Well, you have to ask. There's so much going on. I noticed that Daryl's quiet you're watching them no, like a tennis match chuckling yeah. there's Did, does the poor die like what happened well, to her well some people argue i've got here in front of me a, a book that's very conservative and it argues that zipporah must have clearly died because moses has remarried the the, the issue here is that could be text doesn't say that um just looking at the biblical material it's a far more likely scenario Zipporah has left Moses, mm-hmm. and because you don't see her again yeah. to the fl- the flung foreskin situation, yeah. she was mad. That um, now Jethro comes and visits, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe to get his daughter and take her home, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't you don't get told that she's dead. Mm-hmm. It's a huge presupposition. I think it's more likely she left him. Some argue that. Cushite is actually a description of Zipporah. Mm-hmm. But you really have to do violence to the text, I think, to make the clear description of her being Cushite, being a subgroup of the Midianites. Because the ancient peoples, they knew those both groups, and they knew they were not the same. Mm-hmm. Midianites are up there where Moses was. Cushite, as we talked to Sunday in the small group, refers to uh, a racial people who were mm-hmm. south of there, uh, uh, they were uh, black folks uh, and had lots of sway in the ancient world. They were kind of saw, saw seen as a powerful group, mighty warriors. Uh, they took over Egypt for a little while. They were, they, were, they, were, they were not part of them, though. They, they didn't belong, so to speak, they according were, to they were other. They were other. And so um, I've always... Now, in, in, the, in the age of Marvel comic books, whenever I see Kushat, I think of Wakanda. Mm. She, she's Wakanda forever, right? Mm. Um, that's who she is. She's from this ancient kingdom that's far down, that has a racial identity that is different than the Hebrew racial identity. And um, so, my, so we have to ask the question, is Moses divorced and remarrying? And is that what they're complaining about? Because to me, the issue is, um, if Moses is divorced, that changes a lot of our discussion in the modern world about what divorce means mm-hmm. uh, and how God accepts it and understands it. Because clearly, whatever else you think about going on here, 
Moses and Miriam are the ones who have a problem with the Cushite. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't have a problem with the Cushite? Mm -hmm. You said Moses and Miriam. You mean Aaron and Aaron Miriam? Aaron and Miriam. I did. Moses yeah. has zero problem with her. <laughs> <laughs> we did, he doesn't say that. <laughs> you know, you don't know what happens. There are lots of people he could have chosen. Like, he chose her for a reason. Well, but is the issue the issue? Right. Is she really the issue? Yeah. Well, is the issue ever the issue? In, in <laughs> church life, never. <laughs> Whatever they come to you and say, this is the problem, that ain't the problem. That's not it. The... Um, but you're getting me signed. Trying. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe that's what they were afraid with the Kushite woman. They that they she would get Moses sidetracked. Um. <laughs> so what I was saying before I mistook Moses for Aaron. So Aaron and Miriam have a problem with the Kushite woman. God does not have a problem right. with that's the Kushite what I was woman. Say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So whatever else is going on, he whatever choices Moses has made, whether it. Zipporah has died and he is remarried. It's irrelevant. Or Zipporah has left him and he's chosen another wife. Whatever the situation is, God doesn't seem to be bothered by it at all. Mm -hmm. It's someone else's problem, which they have brought into this. Yeah. So now, what was the? What were you talking about? It's the. The. What's the real <laughs> issue? Well, I was wondering if they were afraid that he was going to get all sidetracked, like. Get all tangled up in this Kushite woman, and even even why, that. Why, I, I think why would you say it like that? Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> the real issue. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just saying. Remember, these are all octogenarians. Yeah, yeah. Define well, octogenarians. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to Google it. <laughs> I'll play the dumb one. <laughs> they're they're in their eighties. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So, like, what race is that? <laughs> <laughs> Octogenarian is not a I, I hear the oct now. Is. I get it. <laughs> Aka awkward. <laughs> what kind of forever? Um, so, is their problem her or just her existence? The, the Bible here is so amazingly ambiguous. Well, and that's the interesting part, because you can think of it, that I don't think that's the issue for real, why God got mad. That's, I think that's something completely different. But just looking at it from the, the Moses' wife's point of view, you know, she's a pastor's wife, and that's, that puts a whole new spin on things for her. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a tough position to be into. She has no control over what's going on. You know, she can't help that her husband is this man, you know, in, you know that's leading and um, so anyway, you just have to wonder what, you know, the wife and Miriam, you know, had they had words before? Is it the whole clan up against her, the, the wife or, you know, that kind of setting was a little bit played out in my mind. So you've changed it for me. So now, now I've got Miriam and this unnamed Kushite woman on Thanksgiving saying, that's not how Moses likes his exactly. turkey. Stop it. <laughs> You didn't know him when he was a baby. I did. We got our sandwiches in rectangles. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that thought Moses, that was... Moses likes the crust cut off his bread. Exactly. Right? Exactly. But you can make a whole study just out of that alone. But was but it that? Or was it that Miriam and Aaron were upset that like God is speaking through Moses so much more? You know, yeah, like, it's attention. They're not like, getting the attention, and why should he like, get the attention? And is it really the woman, or is it the jealousy that's kind of feeding oh, it's, through them? It's the jealousy. But I just thought that was an interesting well it, backstory. It is jealousy, and it is also arrogance. But this Cushite woman, whomever she is, 
has been the focal point of their little complaining. Mm-hmm. Now, is the complaint something she's done? I mean, I made a little list in my head. Mm-hmm. Has she done something? Mm-hmm. Or has she not done something? Yeah, that's what I mean. You or have no idea. is it just her existence? Yeah. You should not have married yeah. her. I think they're already angry. They're already ticked off, and she's there, and let's just... I think she's an easy target. Yeah. Because she's different. Mm-hmm. So you pick on the, the, the you, you dehumanize the person or the group or the thing that is different than you. You villainize them, mm-hmm. even if that's not the issue, just because it, it seems like it's not going to come back at you, so to speak. And if Moses gets upset and, and thinks they're attacking him, then they can kind of say, well, no, we weren't attacking you. We were attacking her or something. Well, There's or, just a lot of yeah. cover in using her regardless of what your motive is. Or when you get so angry about something, you're angry and that one last thing just sets you off. Well, you're not angry about that one thing. Mm-hmm. You're angry about all these other mm-hmm. things. And I and think that's, that's what played door. out here. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of power in that idea. And part of that anger could be bringing out the fact that, especially when you talk about their jealousy, you know, they pop their suspenders, hey, we're important too, God Mm -hmm. business does too. So I believe that Zipporah has left Moses, and Moses has, this is his second wife. Mm -hmm. So he can refer to, my first wife didn't do that, you know, that kind of, um, so this is his second wife. Even when he was married to Zipporah, she was not present mm-hmm. in the ministry base, right? It was it was always Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Mm-hmm. One way for me to read this is to see now there's a fourth person who's come in, and perhaps she's become more of an advisor to Moses than they are. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying, hey, God talks to us. Don't forget about us. So now she's Yoko Ono, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> she's breaking up the band. She's mm-hmm. the the person who comes in with fresh ideas, fresh perspective, and she uniquely has Moses' ear, and that's why you have the jealousy that pops up. To me, that, that, that kind of has more of a juice to it. Well, and I don't, I see what you're saying, which I can see that happening, of course, but. Well, thank you. I don't think. <laughs> but. But. But, but you're so wrong, and here's nine reasons <laughs> why you're wrong. They, I don't think. Aaron and uh, Miriam are coming up against Moses because of him being a leader of Israel, but I think it's his intimate relationship with the Lord. I think that's where their jealousy is coming in mm-hmm. at. So I don't think they're questioning his leadership abilities at all. I think they're just questioning his intimate re- relationship with, with well, who God is. When people come to Jesus, in the, and I don't mean like, come to Jesus. I mean, when they <laughs> approach him and hello, there's Santa, <laughs> there's, Santa, there's a Jesus baby. story, and they ask a question, Jesus always seems to spin it or respond to something that's really the heart of the question, even if they didn't know that's what they're asking. And so when you look at God's response to them, he bypasses all of that, and he focuses a lot of like what you're saying about the relationship he has with Moses. And regardless of what Aaron and Miriam are saying about uh, the Cushite woman, it could be jealousy, it could be expectations, she's not living up to what we think she should be doing, it could be all of the things we've said. It's almost like God is saying, I hear what you're saying, but here's what you're really struggling with. Mm -hmm. You're struggling with this issue of whether it's the relationship, whether it's... uh, you think Moses is special? Well, he is, or 
Um, I'm the one who put him in that position. I just I think a lot of what we're looking for could be found in maybe God's response to um, Aaron and Miriam. Well, and they're putting words in God's mouth. You know, you don't do that. You don't tell people, well, this is what God told me to tell you, and that's not at yeah, all. They do. That's blasphemous. <laughs> you, know, you know, when when people do that, they've done that to me my whole life. God told me that you're supposed to be doing this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my response has always been, "That's funny." I talked to him this morning. Yeah. That's he, not he, what he, he didn't say a <laughs> word about that, and he didn't even talk. Tell me you were coming. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but they're trying to justify their actions with backing it up to you know. And how many times do people do that? You well, know. My favorite part Scary. of this is, is verse two, the end of it. <laughs> they do all this complaining, and it just says, "And the Lord heard them." Yes. That is a terrifying yep. thing. Because normally, Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, yeah. hear our prayers. So sometimes you really want the Lord not to hear mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. you say. It reminds me so much of that um, question that the Lord asked of Satan in the book of Job, right? Have you considered my servant, yeah. Job? Mm-hmm. You never want <laughs> yeah. God to say, That's what it re- hey, yeah. devil, have you considered my servant, Jamie? Mm-hmm. Please don't ask that question because yeah. I've read that book. Yeah. Um, and then you have poor little meek Moses here. He was the most humble person ever, you know. Poor, poor little meek Moses. He's a peep. <laughs> he's but a little, he's peep. A, he's little sugary peep. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, this is, I don't think we can, uh, can take this and lay it over the church and say this applies to the modern-day Western church in America. But I think there are leadership principles and things that can be seen in here is that when you have someone, a pastor or someone leading an organization, and if people don't think it's going where they want it to go or the leadership is making them uncomfortable or something and you struggle with that, there are certain tools you can pull out of your toolbox, like we're saying, to try and steer the leadership a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these things that we're saying, well, people are saying, well, why is he so important, or his wife, or his spouse, or this, or that, or people are saying, or God told me, and things like that. Um, it really sounds like it's whatever Moses is doing, however he's leading, wherever they are in the context, they're, they're, they're not happy, right. they're, and they're trying to find a way in um, that's selfish, ultimately, right. and it backfires. Um, well, let's let's that's set this some in, of what I see. Let's set this in context a little bit. So, if you back up chapter eleven, and as I was researching this a little bit, this really struck me. It it's just one complaint after another. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this is the last line here of this. The, of, so the people complain. Um, the elders are on point. They complain. The, the food's not good. He There's has nothing. to be just worn out. But no, this is kind of the last straw. It's yeah. not just the people complaining it's his, his leadership team yeah. mm-hmm. his closest his family mm-hmm. complaining and i think that's kind of where the lord has a lot of patience for the people in the church if you want to use mm-hmm. a church you, you took it to that place i think he has a lot of patience for people in the church who as should we who don't know what they're talking about they <laughs> they have bad ideas they've been brainwashed by um, cable news or the bad experiences from pastors in the past or whatever, or from my perspective, really great pastors in the past that you will never live up to, right? Mm-hmm. So you get this situation. God seems to have a great leniency on them. 
But when it's the people who should know better, Miriam mm-hmm. and Moses, uh, Miriam and Aaron should know better mm-hmm. than to do this, mm-hmm. and he calls them out on it. That that to well, me is a huge part. Are missing the whole point and the whole you know Moses was the chosen one to lead Israel. They were not, you know, they weren't chosen to do that. They were chosen to walk, you know, with him and help him along with him. But he was the chosen one. And I think they're, yeah. Do you think the, he had just, Moses had just appointed 70 elders. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Like here's 70 elders like that are going to help us on this journey. And Moses and Aaron are going, or and Miriam See, and I got Aaron. you doing it now, don't yeah, I? Do. <laughs> Mary and Aaron's like, why do we need 70 elders? Here I am. <laughs> you know? Are we not enough? Are we not good enough here? So I don't 70 know. elders plus one Cushite woman. Yeah. Well, yes. But you know, Moses didn't just wake up one day and he was this great, humble man. I mean, he God had to mold him and work through him and he had to go through all these trials and these hard things to get him to where he's at well now. he almost died over foreskin so <laughs> i'm just know. saying i know like it's no. crazy poor guy where <laughs> god has forgiven him for that we never will will we, we <laughs> can hold that over. No. <laughs> maybe that's why Miriam and them really liked the Zipporah. like maybe maybe they were just still attached to her because she's our kind of person yeah she just takes care of They're business still bitter there, there could be a, an age <laughs> thing here. If they're all older, maybe she's younger, right? Well, what's Miriam's name? What does that mean? Bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Bitter. So there's a reason why. Living up to her <laughs> identity. That's funny. <laughs> Bitter. Bitter old woman. Bitter. But the, so, go ahead. Nope. No, I defer okay, to the gentle so, woman. Um, but they were prohibited from marrying Canaanites, but they're not prohibited from marrying Cushites. Exactly. Why? But but it, but why the prohibition on Canaanites? Because they would lead them away from God. Exactly. It was never about race. Right. When we read the Bible, it's very important that we remember that. Like Nehemiah is gonna Nehemiah and Ezra are gonna lose their mind over this later, because they're worried about the purity of the worship and of the morality and of the home life. It's never about racial issues. And, and, and too much in American Christianity in the past, this has been conflagrated into, see, we must keep the races pure. Uh, but actually, that's not anywhere in the Scriptures at all. So the Cushite woman probably has adopted or may have always had the Israelite tendencies in the Hebrew worship, may have been a slave along with them and came out of Egypt. I mean, we, we don't know where she came from, but probably has that same background. And um, there's no reason to believe that uh, she had a faith issue problem. So that is the biggest teacher here. But, so there's no prohibition on marrying Cushites at all. Uh, there's no prohibition on marrying Egyptians, which I'm sure half of them were. Right. In fact, we don't know how many may have actually been Egyptians uh, coming out of this uh, place. So um, Egypt was kind of a melting pot, like like we are today. But the Canaanites was about those going into the land, don't marry them. Right. Mm-hmm. However, having said that, Rahab, who was a Canaanite, is in the birth order of who? Mm-hmm. Of Jesus, yeah. And you know who else is? Ruth, the mm-hmm. Moabitess. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these people who aren't Hebrew. So you get the reality, then you get the law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I love that. I think it's a beautiful story. I think it's a beautiful story of, like... Just because you're born into this family doesn't mean that you're guaranteed, you know, or like that that God's love and is for everyone. 
<laughs> Can we edit that she's out? She's just I mean, wrapped it up in a nutshell. God's yeah. love is for, for everyone. everyone. Like, Thanks for joining us today children. for God's love is for everyone. <laughs> Can I put that on a t-shirt? That's that's the youth lesson. There we go. God's love is for everyone. Even the Cushite woman. I mean, he just God, speaks God loves Jesus. everybody. Even, even the Cushite woman. <laughs> even those people. <laughs> Which means you, little Jenny, God loves you too. <laughs> even if you are from Burnett. <laughs> Sorry well, if there are um, any Jennies from Burnett. I love in a Jenny. Jenny box and carrots. In verse four, and it says, And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And so, you know, I'm wondering at that point if like Miriam thinks, Ooh, God fit to get him. God's <laughs> gonna get Moses. You know, this is our moment. I've been waiting. All my life. And then, like, it flips on her, and she's like, <gasps> you know. And then God puts her in time out. Yeah. That's, exa- yeah. that's not a bad reason. <laughs> the, the, do you remember being in school back? I don't know how they do it today. It's been so long. I'm, I'm an old man now. But the intercom in every classroom had an intercom, and it would crackle. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and it would be like, um, usually it was, you know, uh, bus 15's late or whatever. But sometimes it was Bobby, Sue, and Jamie. Come to the <laughs> office right now, oh, right? Yes. Three of you. And you're like, oh. Walk of shame. It is, because everyone in the classroom What'd sees you do? it. What did you do? They all see yeah. that you got called out. And they're like, oh. <laughs> and depending on how old you are. like In grade school, is a bigger deal. Yeah. Like, so mm-hmm. if you're in third grade, it's, yeah. oh. Yeah, everybody's pointing. And we did, I'm so much of a dinosaur, you know, you're going to get licked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are spankings for people who don't know what licks are. So you're gonna licks. Yep. They're not gonna lick you <laughs> with a stick. <laughs> I remember our principal. I would have rather been spanked than licked. I think. Uh, uh, so <laughs> you get called. To <laughs> you get called to the off. I had this great story. You guys have railroaded me. We're just laughing. It's a great <laughs> metaphor. And so you get there, and you don't know what it's for. You have no idea. Yeah. And sometimes it was because you were a witness. I mean, what mm. did you see? Yeah. And in fact, usually it was, what What did you see? Mm-hmm. Something, something happened. Or you're the second one that get, got caught right. talking or laughing, you know. Or it's like Bobby's the one who's really in trouble, mm-hmm. but you and Sue are turning state's evidence yeah. against them. <laughs> but you have the time where you're like out in the out in the principal's office, they call you in one at a time, and no one's saying a word. Mm-hmm. You're just looking at each other, and you're like, mm. <laughs> and then the secretary, because the, 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 the most powerful person in the school I went to, elementary, junior high, and high school, was always the school secretary mm-hmm. across on the other side. He's just looking at you like, mm, oh, no. <laughs> that's still the case. Is that the way it still yes. is? Because uh, that person has the... The most power, and yeah. you're oh, terrified. Yeah. And if she gave you a, a kind look, oh, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah. My mom just brought my lunch money, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but if, it, if it's that kind of that stern look, you're like, oh no, <laughs> this is gonna be bad. <laughs> and that's what the tenant meeting is. God has called all three of them mm-hmm. to the principal's office. But <laughs> in my ele- elementary school, there was a long wooden three three boards bench that was bolted to the wall had these little brackets and so it was just a, it was literally a long bench outside of <coughs> all of the offices and the phrase was go to the bench mm. and that just it was go to the and so that was like the, like you're talking that was the waiting space before the principal's office the tent of the meeting sec- was the bench. bench it was like go to the bench 
and then you just had to wait and wait. Oh. So that's that's kind of that anxiety. I yeah. come out of the tent, and the waiting is worse. So they they get there, <laughs> mm-hmm. and what the Lord says is amazing. What exactly does He say to all three of them? He He says, "Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision." In dreams. In dreams. I speak with him in a dream. But how's Moses different? Not so with my servant Moses. I speak mouth to mouth with Mm -hmm. him. So here's where I wrestle with, because Daryl earlier was talking about the overlay for church life, and it's easy to see this as the pastor, the senior pastor, is Moses, maybe the deacons or board or whatever structure you have, or staff or Miriam and Aaron. And it's easy to do that. But I just have a hard time with that. Yeah. Because I know that I've been a senior leader, pastor, whatever, for way too long. I'm probably past my sale by date. You um, are not. I feel, feel like <laughs> just it. Just to be well, clear. score in seven years. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day. Um, here's your cane. Here's when you get ready to get up. <laughs> well, I will probably go, oh. <laughs> but I've never, I don't have that. I'm more in the dream and vision category of prophet. I'm, I'm looking at the scriptures, trying to discern the will of God, sometimes through cryptic language, through things I don't always understand. I'm praying. I'm wor- I have the ministry of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I'm not saying I don't have that. All of us do. I think all of us are more where Miriam and Aaron are. Mm-hmm. The Moses in this category is Jesus, not me. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times in church life, pastors get the Moses big head mm-hmm. and think I'm I'm God's anointed leader right. to be absolutely infallible in leading this congregation right over this cliff as we die. Well, it says face to face, but no one's seen the Lord face to face. He speaks except, to him that way, yeah. I mean... But except Jesus, I mean, Moses, I think he talks directly to him, but he doesn't ever see the face of God. Right. And so he talks to Moses differently than he does Aaron and Miriam. Yeah. Which I think supports both Aaron and Miriam as what they are is not bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're second class citizens. Right. Yeah. They still have a powerful connection to the Lord God Almighty. So much so that they're punished. Mm-hmm. We we don't like to think of it this way, but this is a, Miriam's punishment is actually a positive. Mm-hmm. It means that she's in relationship with the Lord, and He's still forming her. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. going to die soon, but but mm-hmm. she's still mm-hmm. being formed. Well, and He has to set an. Ex- I think He sets an example with her because He can't allow her rebellious attitude to you know, seep out into the people. They can't think that that's okay. So he has to come in and do something to show them that he's, you know, this is serious stuff, what she's done. I, go ahead. I, I got two, say, two things about this. He stuff. punishes her like like she's a rebellious, like a rebellious child. Like not, like he could have just taken her out. And he doesn't, but he punishes her. He loves her, and he punishes her like a child. That's one of my things that I, when I read this, I wrote in the sidebar. Her punishment uh, is almost a feminist move, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is a person who's anti-woman doing prophet vision ministry would have dismissed her out of hand mm-hmm. and said. Um, Oh, you're just a little woman. You don't know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. 
but he doesn't. He treats her just like he would. But Moses intercedes for her too. Again, but he begs God. Again, again, again. <laughs> poor guy. Because Moses is unique and his gender is irrelevant. Yeah. But Miriam is being elevated here as, as a woman, as a prophet who has dreams and visions, mm-hmm. who is a leader in her own right. She's not Moses. Right. But she's still important. One up on Aaron. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, who's not even worthy of being punished. Yeah. <laughs> If you just work it that way, he's such a. You want a yeah. cow? I'll give you a cow. He's such Can a. Can I have some licks too, God? <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? Uh, he, he's such a non factor. He's not even worthy of punishment. But right. Miriam is the real, probably second in command, you might say, from mm-hmm. this perspective, because she is the one who gets the punishment. There's a second aspect here that I had never thought of until I studied it and worked it through for this particular podcast. So thank you. The dream and vision and prophet motif appears again in Joel Joel. chapter Mm 2, where the Lord says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. Um, Your old men are going to dream dreams, and your young men are going to have visions. And then Peter grabs a hold of that same passage at Pentecost. And I've never, the sons and daughters aspects, Miriam and Aaron, Right, mm-hmm. so the sons. This has always been God's vision for prophets, mm-hmm. male and female, doing their thing, yeah. and it's an interesting aspect in the spirit world. Spirit that doesn't sound right. <laughs> in the spirit world, we can see things as they uh, truly 1-800-999. are. One eight hundred nine nine nine. You need to move your crystal ball, please, to the left. Uh, it's the blinding me. World. Where's my sage? <laughs> no, no, none of that garbage. But. No. Um, in the in, in the age of this Holy Spirit revealing Himself to us, we 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 are Miriam and Aaron. Mm-hmm. None of us will be Moses, mm-hmm. and we need to make peace with that because I think all of us kind of view the we're the top, we're the star of the show. In in our own minds, the world is a <laughs> our life is a movie, and it's the Truman Show. We're the star, mm-hmm. and everyone else is just supporting cast. Mm-hmm. That's not right. Jesus is the star. We're the supporting cast. Yep. Or, and he might say, others are the star. We exist to support, nurture, care, administer to others mm-hmm. in the name of Christ. Yeah. And I think that's, a for me, a powerful takeaway here. Yes. Daryl, you've been quiet for a long time. Well, I was just, just doing some reading and studying. This is here. not the time. So. If you're studying now. <laughs> Sorry, let me put my book down. No, so reading through some notes on this. Daryl Fishback, report to the office, please. Um, the bench. I was listening to a podcast recently, and they were talking about um, Did you just bring up somebody else's podcast <laughs> I didn't on say our who. podcast? They were talking about Enneagrams. <laughs> Actually, no. Um, they were talking about something called the egg, but it was just kind of this spiritual growth of, and it's just a metaphor, it's a picture of an egg, the my story, our story, the story, and kind of a, a spiritual development of growth is, you know, when we're young, when we're immature, we, we see... Like you're saying, I'm the star of my story, and we see life from my perspective. We see everything through my filter, but then there's also an our story, and that's kind of the group that we grew up in. Maybe um, it could be a a church or a denomination. Uh, It could be um, a belief system. It could be a part of the world, but it's just kind of your tribe, so to speak. And this is healthy as well, but sometimes it becomes an us against them. All we see is our story and everything is filtered through well our story our side our group your group's wrong the story is backing up and realizing as 
Joni so eloquently put it, that God loves everyone, mm -hmm. is that there is a the story, mm -hmm. a bigger story going on that includes my story and our story, but we've got to grow beyond the narrow-mindedness of our, um, what's the word I'm looking for, but our perceptions of, of reality and of the world and be reminded that God's story is always bigger and greater and beyond our ability to, to see and comprehend everything that's going on. Okay, I love that. Mm -hmm. But let's play with this for just a moment since you've introduced it. Part of the, the story is a realization that we all have to come to that there are other people who, um, who it's really all about or there's other people who know more and are more important than we are. Mm -hmm. And that's what Miriam and Aaron are really struggling with. Moses is flat out more important than them. Well, and God says it. He's telling exactly why he chose Moses. Mm -hmm. I he's mean, meek. He's, yeah. I mean, he tells it right there, it, it, the reasonings why Moses was... We have a hard time with that, yeah. that somebody else may be more important mm -hmm. than we are because we want we, we, we believe we're important or we use the everybody matters. Mm -hmm. Well, there's truth in that. Everyone does matter, and we are all equal. <laughs> You're, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but that doesn't mean that your opinion is valid. Right, you know? yeah. Because idiots have opinions too, <laughs> mm -hmm. and that doesn't, they're, they're, they doesn't have the same weight. And as we live our story in the context of uh, my story and our story, some of that is recognizing, okay, Paul mattered more than Barnabas, period. God loves both of them, but Paul mattered his more. Influence was different. His, his significance, the work he was going to do, the lasting impression, God was at work in Paul's ministry in the New Testament far more than he was in Barnabas. Does that mean Barnabas is not important? No, Barnabas. Barnabas is one of the guys I really like. Mm -hmm. In fact, if I had to spend a weekend closed in a room, if I had to go through Snowvid or COVID quarantine <laughs> with either Barnabas or Paul, I'm choosing Barnabas mm -hmm. every single yeah. time because yeah. I'm going to shoot Paul at some point. <laughs> uh, that's just the way it's going to work. <laughs> but then God, so, I mean, he shows again in Scripture the woman at the well. She was just a Samaritan woman but it showed how Jesus encountered her and changed her life, and then she was never mentioned again. So it goes from showing that, you know, God does have great plans for certain people, and not that he doesn't. He's got plans for all of us, but he's, there's, you know, there's more to some than to <laughs> Everybody's others. story is different. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's the, illusion, the Instagram illusion of seeing people that are influencers and thinking that they're more than I am right. because of followers or, or whatever, but you're not seeing the downside of all that. Right. You're not seeing all the struggles that Moses, w I mean, we are, but I'm saying you're, you're for often forgetting that there's a challenging side to that. And, and my perspective is even to the point of, I wouldn't say that someone's more important. I would say maybe their influence appears bigger, right. but the person who is the Barnabas, their influence and their significance is just as equal, but from a cultural and an earthly standard, an external standard, it's easy to look at it and say, well, Paul did more or something like right. that, and I don't think God weighs yeah. things in and that same... And not that the woman at the well wasn't significant. I didn't mean to make it sound like... No, you know, I She was gone, and no. that was it. She no, was, her story's over. You made her sound like the person who peaked in high school. That was it. You're done. No more. <laughs> okay. I, think, I think where we've screwed up in the church is often by taking people... <laughs> Where in the Bible, 
they're they're clearly portrayed as human, broken, infallible, yes. and their mistakes are all there. Yeah. But they did something big or seemingly significant, and we glorify that, and we we hold it up as an ideal to try and. And there, here's seven steps to be more like Moses, right. as opposed to seeing they had a role, they had a part, and so do I. Yeah. And I'm not trying to aspire to be Paul or be Moses, but I'm trying to, even like you said earlier, have the relationship that God wants to have with me mm-hmm. and let flow out of that what's intended because I may have things that I need to grow and change in me sure, that you don't. Right. And so God's going to deal with that differently. Yes. And mm-hmm. for different seasons. I feel like we're different people in different seasons. Yeah. Moses here is not the same guy who killed the Egyptian. Right. He's yeah. he's yeah. he's seen some stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh he's been changed and mm-hmm. maybe he's even softer. In fact, if you think about Maybe young Moses would not have married the Cushite. Mm-hmm. Older Moses has grown mm-hmm. and matured, and I'm I'm just I'm still I can't get too much far away from what started the whole conversation with the Cushite woman, and how the Lord seems to be completely uninterested in mm-hmm. his in Moses's bedroom policies. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you think as close as he was to the Lord, he had to have peace about that. Mm-hmm. Had he not had any peace about marrying her, he would have not done that. I completely concur, yeah. but it's Moses' decision to make. Right. And one of the things is Miriam and Aaron want to make that decision for Moses mm-hmm. and tell Moses, this is what you're supposed to do. What you're doing is not right. Mm-hmm. You're going to make God mad. Right. Uh, and maybe uses all this spiritual language, mm-hmm. heaping mm-hmm. up on Moses. How dare you do this? Because uh, if you want to hurt someone, attack their family. Mm-hmm. This you is know, exactly what's going to on. To bring it back to, to church stuff, uh, one of the things that I've observed through the years that, that's bugged me is... Ministers' wives, not ministers' wives, but per- how about mini- <laughs> how about ministers' spouses? Okay, good, good. I, I've just always worked with male pastors, um, unfortunately. There's your first problem, right? But <laughs> in those settings, in the Bible Belt, you have churches that bring a lot, put a lot of expectations on the the pastor's spouse. Mm-hmm. That's unfair. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. They 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 want to define. Well, she should p- be able to play the piano. She should sing in the choir, sh- or he, or, you know, whatever. Work but in the from nursery, my watch perspective, all of the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Lead VBS or do certain things, and because maybe there was a couple that did that, but it it created this this idea, this mold, and I can almost see God stepping in here and saying, "I've chosen this person to lead. You leave their spouse out of this. This has nothing to do with that. You're missing the whole point here." And um, I don't know, I kind of went random on some of that, that stuff there, but it, it, it's triggering something in me of how challenging churches can be when they place expectations and sometimes unspoken expectations on, on pastors. On, on, on ministry families, on children, um, the, the, the joke is, you know, the preacher's kids are the worst. Mm. Well, it's probably not true. But the problem is that the minister's child is under a much bigger magnifying lens. Well, just because you're called in the ministry doesn't mean your whole entire family is. Well, I say that and you, you say know. that, but not everyone would agree with right. that. Right, yeah. In fact, I'm sure Daryl has heard that it's the it's our ministry, mm-hmm. we're all in this together, and that's yeah. the expectation, and it's a very unhealthy model. Right. And I think also one of the things that, that, that produces is a view of a type personality mm-hmm. that is supposed to lead a congregation, mm-hmm him and his wife or her and her husband, the outgoing, we'll volunteer to do everything. We're right. super high energy, which looks like leadership. Mm-hmm. 
but that with that you end up with the golden calf, the the purpose it driven golden really, calf. It burns really, really yeah. hot, really yeah. fast, yeah. and then it burns out. And yeah. and, and and it or and it and it, and it enables mm-hmm. it. Uh, uh, it's self-serving, and you end up with idolatry, and there's the noise of war in the mm-hmm. camp. Um, whereas you may, the flip of that might be the person God has called, which is more of an introspective, reflective, mm-hmm. quiet, um, not not a a chest thumper, self-promoter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, what what a kind of a stereotype is it that the pastor is a self-promoter, going to always tell you what all good stuff that he's done mm-hmm. or she's done. Do you think, though, that that's created from inside the pastor, or do you think that's created from society today? Both. Because yeah, a lot both. of society today is you have to self-promote so that you can... I think it's both. I think that people confuse. And now, and now to those listening to the podcast, we have we off script <laughs> now. There was no script. <laughs> I've got a script right here. Um, <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> but... You want a cow? I'll give you a cow. <laughs> um, I perceive that we've messed up what calling means. Mm. And a lot of people who like church and they're good in front of people and they feel the desire to entertain or they're high energy and they like programs and going, they confuse that with a call to ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are not the same thing, not even close to the same thing, which is why whenever someone feels... I feel called to ministry. I'll spend like three hours talking them out of mm-hmm. it. Because if I can talk you out of it, you're not right. called. It's more and, of a job to uh, them, right. I feel like. It's a, and they, they confuse the idea of we're all called in Christ mm-hmm. to serve and to do ministry, but some are called uniquely to yes. lead. You, you, you see this at youth camp a lot. Where I don't because I don't <laughs> go to youth camp. <laughs> Through the years, that. Johnny and I have seen this at youth camp a lot, of... A very good speaker, a band, a worship leader, someone who's just dynamic in that setting. And kids are like, I want to do that. I want to be that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's ministry. They see the glitz and the glamour, the stage, the speaking, the big crowds, the stuff like that. And they 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 equate ministry with almost being like a, a Christian rock star, so to speak. And and sometimes that gets reinforced, I think. And and I, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, it absolutely gets reinforced because when you when you are good at it, more people show up, mm-hmm. and that's success. And success breeds success. And the next thing you know, you have someone, and I won't mention any names mm-hmm. at all, and I mean that on purpose, uh, who's pastoring a fifteen thousand person congregation because they're really good at it up front, mm-hmm. and that looks like success. And he's so blessed by God. Uh, and then you find out that they're um, having an affair with their masseuse <laughs> or with um, or they have a drug addiction problem or, or they're not really, now they come out and say, I don't believe in God anymore at all, mm-hmm. which has been the phenomenon for the last five, ten years mm-hmm. because we've pushed that celebrity and skill set is the same as calling. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. pushed faith is what you know about God or what you believe about God as opposed to faith is engaging with God and mm-hmm. having that relationship and that right. connection as Moses had to, yeah. to bring it back to our text here. You know well, what? I think us being in, in a pastoral position and on the staff at our wonderful church that I love so much, um, 
It's exhausting. You want to make sure that certain people hear that, yeah. don't you? Well, Our you know, I was going to put, put a disclaimer I, earlier. All the churches that I'm referencing in the mm. church context, I can't really <laughs> apply that here. So just... Well, I'll, our no, church is super it, unique. This it, is a very unique it, situation. Ex- being in the ministry is exhausting. And some days you do feel like, or I do, I feel like I'm just, I'm, I, can't, I, I don't know if I can do this. But then... You know, but God, the Holy Spirit comes in and says, "No, this is what you're. This is what I've called you to do," and I love it, and I it's my passion and it's my heart, and I can't imagine doing anything else. I mean, I just I can't. So I think that's what sets it apart. And even when I say, "Well, I've got to go to work tomorrow," I, I find myself saying, "I got to go to church tomorrow. I'm going to church. I'm going to the church," because it's not work. I mean, when you love it, it's not work, and that's. Yeah, because I can't That's get any work done because you and Joni are in your office <laughs> giggling all the time. Well, they, we don't even know what time it is because you break our clock. <laughs> yeah. They, they do giggle what along. What time is it? <laughs> what time is it? That's a good question. So there's there's a lot going on here. One one thing mm. that uh, I read, one commentary um, that spoke to some of Miriam and Aaron's opposition to Moses is maybe the Cushite wife Moses has brought into the inner circle. Mm-hmm. And so there's like this idea of secret knowledge that they've been left out of, and they want in. Um, C.S. Lewis writes about this in The Inner Ring, one of his famous essays, that there's a desire inside all of us to be a part of the inner circle, whatever that inner circle is. Uh, uh, Moses had his. Jesus had his. I mean, who's Jesus' inner circle? Mm-hmm. His old disciples. Mm-hmm. Well, which ones? Mm-hmm. There's three. Mm-hmm. Peter, Peter, James, James and John. And John. They're, they're the three. They're their inner circle. Paul has his inner circle. We seem to all have our inner circle, and everybody wants to be in that ultimate inner circle. And one of the things that this breeds in us is a desire to know something nobody else knows. Mm-hmm. And I made a, a mental note on that. This is the heart of the modern conspiracy theory movement. Mm-hmm is a desire to be in the in the know. Mm-hmm. I'm in the know. And I just wonder if God has heard these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he will come down and give them leprosy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's that's my, my take, my quick take on it, in case you want to know where I'm at on things. Um, anything else? We've we missed anything? We've seemed to beat this thing up. I still want to see Miriam and the Kushat woman in a cage match. I'm thinking so, like a leg wrestle or something. A I leg wrestle. Like, I don't know. I picture that Miriam. Is, oh, that is the Texasest thing you've ever <laughs> said. Look at a leg, leg wrestle. We so leg wrestled and had foot races all the time at my house. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Who would win? Usually not me. No, no, I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, Miriam. I don't know. And the Kushite woman. I'm picture Miriam is small and me- like s- not meek, but just small. Like I don't know. <laughs> small. I, I don't know. I just picture her as like a short. Well, if if Moses married a younger woman because he's older, uh, then maybe the Kushite woman has a you know age and youth on her side, mm-hmm. whereas Miriam has insurance and money. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Fishback, do you have anything? No, I was reading a quote trying to see if it was appropriate, but I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll save it for another time. Just just, just go what? with God loves everyone. God loves, God everyone. loves everyone. God loves everyone. And in case don't you have forgotten it. See, the thing is, is the four of us love talking minutia in the Bible, and you pull the stuff out, and you wrestle with it, and you come out, and you just God, what does it mean, and what's going on? 
that doesn't change the big picture stuff, that God does love all of us. God, God has a plan for us, and He cares about us, and Jesus died on the cross, and He rose from the dead, and you can have a relationship with Him. And this scriptures that we read and these Bible verses that we obsess over are one way we come to know the Lord's will. And so you see the will of God in a passage like this is that we should not be jealous of one another, that we should uh, respect God's unique calling in different people's lives. Moses had a different calling than Miriam and Aaron. And also probably do well to just butt our no, get our nose out of someone else's business <laughs> as to who they want to marry and what they want to be involved in and let God take care of them at the individual level. Uh, having summed that up, anyone have anything else to add? <laughs> not, much, not, not much left to add. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, I, what's the next week's lesson? Daryl, you have your phone. Hey, speech. God, I bet you haven't thought about this. <laughs> Numbers 14, 1 through 19. Numbers 4. I have, what, that, what was I thinking? Oh, I don't know. The people rebel. Obviously. Oh. Hey, God, I bet you haven't thought about it. Well, I have a good time with it anyway, so we're having a good time. Uh, we'll probably record one more a week until we're up to Easter. This is season two. Uh, we have three more left after this. Uh, thank you for listening. Please like, share, and comment this podcast on your favorite social media platform. Every click matters. You can also visit our website at fmf.life. We'll, we will be back next week with Bible talk from under the water tower. Goodbye, everyone. Be safe. God See loves ya. everyone. Eat peeps. <laughs>